Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Come on, come on. How we doing, Mission Church? I love me, the 845 live streamers. I say, what's up, what's up? Um, I am fighting a cold this morning, um, but I'm going to let it rip still. Okay, we're going to go for it. Yesterday, uh, last night, uh, Saturday night service, I tried to stay in the first and second gear, and it just felt weird. Uh, so I'm going to go all the way to the fifth gear today uh, and try to give you everything I got. Um, yeah, come on, fifth gear. Um, uh, we're in a series titled Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, very creative. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, the title of my message today is Merry Christmas. The helper is here. The helper is here. If you have your Bibles, turn to John 14. John 14. We are going to read some... Uh, words from our Savior in the last hours of his life. I don't know about you, but if I was in the last hours of my life, I'd be talking about the most important things and making sure that I was passing the baton in a great way. Jesus, the greatest man ever to live, or the, the greatest Savior, is literally sharing the most important things in his last hours, and he's talking about the helper for you and I. It says this in John 14, if you love me, you will obey my commandments, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Everybody say Helper. I just feel like when I was praying this morning for some people, um, I want to encourage you that if you are stuck in a cycle of bondage, uh, the helper is here. If you feel like you have been paddling for the last season of your life, trying to get away from this destination, like if I could just give you a picture, like almost you're like on an island and this island represents bondage. It represents a sin that you've never been able to get over, represents a season in your life and you've been paddling and paddling, but the current just keeps on bringing you back to the same place and you've literally bought into the stronghold the life from the enemy, that this is your lot in life. I'm here to announce to you to throw the sails up this morning and allow the Holy Spirit to breathe and say, I want to help you get away from a place you never thought you could get away from. I'm telling you real quick, religion is performance. Christianity is allowing the Lord to breathe on places that you never could actually move. And so I want to, I, saw, I feel like there's like this little picture. Uh, it's almost like you're paddling really hard and instead of putting the sails up and the Holy Spirit just like pops up and goes like, would you like some help? You, you, look, exa- you look exhausted. You look frustrated. You look really angry. Could I help you a little bit today? And I, I just want to let you know the, the Holy Spirit is offering his help today. The helper is here to get you to freedom. Um, if you have a bad marriage right now, the helper is here. Amen. If you've got a bad kid right now, the helper is here. If you're in the worst season of your life, the helper is here. Come on now. This is the good news today. Um, now, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, it's hard for me to uh, say yes to help sometimes. Yes? I was trying to picture, like, what, what, what kind of illustration could I uh, unpack to really show you what I'm trying to communicate? Uh, so I thought I would share the story that makes me look the worst I've ever looked in our marriage. You want to hear it? Yes. Rachel, yes. Hey, come on, girl. That was too bad to tell, tell it. Tell it. Um, uh, okay, 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 okay. Uh, so um, we were married for about three years. Uh, Rachel and I, uh, we're now married 11 years, so this, uh, you know, eight years ago. I like to believe I've, I've grown. I like to believe I've grown. Um, so uh, I, especially in our early years of marriage, I'm infamously known as a terrible parallel parker. Who here is great at parallel parking? You're like a superhero to me. You're just like pulling, I'm like, how did you do that? Like, you ninja, you know? Um, 
So for me, like I just, I've always struggled with it. I don't know why. Uh, and so it was a smaller spot. We were going to Monterey for a date day and, you know, everything's going great and we're laughing and, you know, like, you know, especially, you know, uh, three years in our marriage, you know, we're, uh, you know, in ministry and, you know, barely making it by. So our car is not one of those nice fancy cars. You know, we're living in our one bedroom apartment. And so it has none of those like beepers or sensors. You just got to drive by faith, not by sight. You know what I'm saying? Like one of those kind of cars. It's a faith car. And, um, and so we get to the spot to start parallel parking, and I just can't get, I can't get in. So, like, like I just, like, I'm, I'm like, ah, I keep on hitting the curb, I'm like, ah, and I keep pulling out. And so Rachel gets out, and she starts trying to, like, direct me. And then you know, like, when somebody's just trying to direct you, and you're starting to get frustrated, they're like, okay, let, turn, turn the wheel to the right. I am turning it to the right, you know. Now turn it to the left. I am turning it to the left, you know. And, and eventually, Rachel just simply says, she goes, would you like me to do it? And, and. I say to her, this is one of the worst things I've ever said in our marriage, uh, say that again and see how mad I get. Um, uh, now, I don't, yell, I don't yell, but I did say that really in a very frustrated tone, like, say that again, see how mad I get. Like, what a mean statement, right? Like, ooh. Never said it before. And again, Rachel, and Rachel was like, <gasps> she like gasped, like, who am I married to, you know? Um, and I remember, like, I remember, finally, I, 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 I figured it out, and we get into lunch, and this lunch is just ruined, you know? Like, I'm sitting there, and I'm frustrated, and I mean, all, all that was hurt that day was my pride, you know? It's all, like, just pure pride was, like, just, like, getting skewered at that parking spot. And uh, we sit there, and uh, eventually, I remember, I'll never forget it, we finally got a Ford Explorer, and might as well have been a Range Rover, okay? This thing had leather seats, heated seats, it had uh, sensors on the front and the back, and I didn't even understand how it, but like when you reverse, it would show the car from like space, I thought. I was like, how do you see the car from space? Like, is there a satellite looking at me right now? Like, I didn't understand, and then I realized it was just cameras around it, and then it was a picture of the car, but I thought it was a satellite for a while. I'm just gonna, anybody else thought it was a satellite? It was just me? Okay, anyways. Um, and so like it would show you like where the car was, like, this is amazing. Well, well I'm here to tell you, uh, some of you have been driving a car with none of the bells and whistles. Some of you have been living with, with none of the bells and whistles. And the Holy Spirit is the one that literally gives you the power to park in places you never could park, if I could put it that way. Uh, gives you the power to get to places you never could get to. Uh, literally, you're like, how in the world did I live life without a car like this, without the power like this? And so we're going to unpack today uh, just the gift of the Holy Spirit, uh, the gift that, that Jesus gives us in the helper. Um, and I want to I keep reading. I want to double down on this thought. Uh, and if you're a... Uh, cessationists in the room, like, you know, like the, you know, the miracles are not for today, you know, Acts 1 through 10 are the transitional period, um, just relax, it's going to be okay today, um, I want you to know, like, our, our, our church, we believe that the miracles are for today, but if you're a cessationist, I guess we do, he says, Teresa, uh, but if you are a cessationist, you're welcome here, it's all good, uh, and I'm not, I'm not going to really, I'm not going to talk about tongues today, I'm going to talk uh, uh, about my bad experience with tongues one time, but we're not talking about tongues or the gifts today, which I will talk about in another message, I want to talk about the, your relationship with the Holy Spirit today. So everybody just ah, breathe with me a little bit, all right? Here we go. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be, uh, will be in you. Uh, and he goes on in John 16, uh, doubles down on this thought. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who has sent me. And none of you have asked me, where are you going? Because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. They're sad. They're like, I'm leaving. They're like, and they're, they're not even asking questions. They're just focused on how sad they are. And he goes, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. What a statement from the Savior of the world. He said, it's better if I leave. Come on, just picture that with me real quick. If Jesus was walking around the East Bay with you, and you were at the Lafayette Reservoir, and you're walking around the Lafayette Reservoir, Jesus, you know how cool it would be to walk around Lafayette Reservoir? Jesus would be like, you want to walk across instead of around? And Jesus like, 
all right, let's do it. And you're like, oh, we're walking across the reservoir. Like, this would be amazing, you know what I'm saying? Can you imagine Jesus at your house and you have no food in your house and you're like, oh, I got a DoorDash. And Jesus is like, you don't got a DoorDash. What you got in the pantry? I was like, I just got some crackers, some cheese. He's like, what you want, Chick-fil-A, McDonald's? I can turn this into anything, all-you-can-eat buffet, because I'm Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So you don't have to do DoorDash, because he can multiply whatever's in the pantry. I'd be like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing hang out with Jesus. If you had a dog and your dog died, he could resurrect your dog. If you had a cat and your cat died, he would help you bury it. Uh, Because... This is definitely a dog crowd, not a cat crowd. <laughs> Last night, you would have thought I slapped people in the face with that joke. I sat in there like this. Oh, did he just say he'd help me bury my cat and not resurrect it? Yes, 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 yes. To all my cat people, you are also welcome here. Be, be, be free, be free, be free. Um, but all these things you, you, you look at, and, like, and this is why they're so sad, because they're like, no, we've seen you do things. We've seen you raise the dead. We've seen you walk on water. We've seen you calm storms. How in the world is it to our advantage that you leave? And what he's trying to show them is like, it's great that I am walking beside you, but I'm going to leave so now I can live inside of you. And not that I can walk with 12, but I can live inside of millions and billions and empower the world to defeat the gates of hell. Come on, this is good news today. Uh, He goes, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict uh, the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Look at this. When the Holy Spirit comes, what's he going to do? And if you're um, a a hyper-Pentecostal in the room, sometimes we go like, the Holy Spirit will come so you can speak in tongues. That is not like, is tongues a part of of, of being filled with the Spirit or or, or being baptized in the Spirit? For some Christians, did they have that gift? Yes. But I grew up in a a denomination where it was the thing. And and I'm going to touch on that in just a second, okay? Uh, Some of you are like, what is tongues? (laughs) I'll talk about it a little bit. Come on now. Here we go. uh, so he goes on, I'm going to uh, convict the world concerning righteousness, concerning sins, concerning sin because they do not believe in him. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the rule of the world is judged. I have much more to say to you, more than you could now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. Come on, the Holy Spirit wants to lead you today. He wants to lead you today. Come on. He will speak on his own. He will speak only what he, what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. 38 of the 58, nine times the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, he is speaking. God, can I just tell you real quick? God wants to speak to you. You know, you know, you know those moments, and there's a verse that I, uh, I refer to uh, where you're with somebody and you haven't thought of a verse for a while and then it just bubbles up in your heart and you share it. Come on, that's the Holy Spirit. Come on, you got you to start discerning those things in your life. Uh, he will glorify me because it is uh, from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Stop. We're going to look at three things today. Who is the Holy Spirit? Why is the Holy Spirit so important? And how do we live the Holy Spirit daily? Come on now, bear your heads, let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing at Mission Church. We thank you that you're the one uh, that is breathing on this house. We are not trying to manufacture something. You're the one who does these big things. You move hearts. You resurrect minds. God, you're the one that saves souls. So God, we ask that you would save souls this morning. God, that you would redeem marriages this morning. God, I pray for the person right now in the room that came to church and thinks that their addiction and bondage is their lot in life. No, not today in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that they would uh, let that stronghold be broken and believe that by the power of your spirit that they can walk away from those things that have been holding them in bondage. Oh, would you set us free today, Jesus? Well, would you give us power to walk away from things today, Jesus? We love you. We love you. May my, may my words fall to the floor and your words soar. And everybody said? 
So who is the Holy Spirit? Let me read you a verse. Uh, I don't need to tell you. I'll just show you in the scripture. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin. Stop. He is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. This is so important because if you do not see the Holy Spirit as a person, you will not have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I think it's interesting to me. Uh, religious people want to make the Holy Spirit an academic conversation. Holy Spirit is not an academic conversation. It's a relational conversation. Um, uh, some, some people uh, that I've, I've met uh, run in streams where their church has a different, different functional trinity. Their trinity is God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Bible. You won't ever hear about the Holy Spirit. Just the Holy Spirit's avoided in those places. And, and, and in this place, we have God the Father, uh, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Come on now. Uh, and what's interesting even... Uh, why the Holy Spirit is such a hot topic is I think there's two things that happen, abuse or avoidance, abuse or avoidance. Um, now, the abuse part is just simply this. Has anybody met a weird Pentecostal Christian? Raise your hand. Like the weirdest Pentecostal. You're like, oh, that person is weird. Can I just tell you real quick? They would be weird without the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit did not make them weird. They're just weird, okay? There are stats. One in three people are weird, okay? Uh, look to your right real quick. Look to your left, if you didn't see anybody weird, you're probably the weird one. Because that's three people, okay? Everybody's like, oh, it's got to be you. It's got to be you. That's just mean. Don't guess. Okay, okay. Um, I want to catch this real quick. Uh, I, I grew up in a movement uh, where we would go to camps, and I, I was a young believer. I didn't know my word that well. So, you know, whatever movement you're in, you just start Okay, that's just what we do, you know. And so I didn't know biblically if it was biblically correct or if it was it kind of had an interesting bent. But but the movement I was part of, man, they elevated the um, gift of speaking in tongues above everything else. And so every camp, they're like, all right, tonight's tongues night, and we're gonna worship. We're gonna have the kids come to the front, and we're gonna pray over them, and we're gonna tell them they're gonna speak in tongues tonight. And if you didn't speak in tongues, you just felt like the biggest failure. And then, you know, so you could totally tell some kids, like, I'm going to try or I'm going to act like I'm speaking in tongues. And so, like, each, and, I, as, and even as, as a young youth pastor, I always feel like, something's off about this. But I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I remember, you know, I took a class in pneumatology, and it's interesting, too. Uh, if you are somebody, I'll just say real quick, if you're a cessationist on the roof, you're like, well, Ty, you said that a couple times. A cessationist is a stance against the Holy Spirit that would say that the Holy Spirit, the miracles um, that, you know, were used in the book of Acts, healings, um, prophecy, speaking in tongues. Uh, there are some people who believe that in 1 Corinthians 39 that it says that when the perfect comes, these shall cease. So they take the theology from that verse and, you know, different theologians that Acts 1 through 10, that it was transitional, that God did special things for that moment, but then now it no longer can happen today. And so what happens is I think people in that movement only read people that confirm those thoughts in that movement and never actually read the word in the totality, maybe even go to other theologians and go, maybe I need to challenge this thought. And so what happened with me is I didn't ever challenge the thought of, Oh, I guess every single person, like, you couldn't be a pastor in the movement I was, uh, I was a part of if you didn't speak in tongues. And then I started reading my word and studying my word. I read 28 different commentaries. Uh, I, was, I was sick this week, so I was in bed a lot, so I got to study a lot. Uh, you, don't, you don't get half of what I studied this week, um, but I'll let a little bit seep out. But I read, I read 28 different commentaries just on when the perfect comes. Like, Lord, like, did you really, like, are your miracles done for today? And I mean, commentaries, like, you know, one commentary is like, there's, there's no way it means that the, the perfect means Bible, uh, you know, it's, but some people believe it means Bible. I would not, I just can't put all my chips in the middle of saying perfect means Bible and the miracles are gone for today. I believe that miracles are for today. I believe that tongues are for today. Uh, now, 
Now, what happened is, is though I saw it abused because in Acts 2, when uh, the spirit falls, you know, fire, they start speaking in tongues. That word is glossa, which means they start actually speaking in native tongues like French and German. Like they didn't start speaking in heavenly language, but actually differently. It'd be like me being in uh, France, speaking in French to proclaim, proclaim the gospel. That's what's happened in Acts 2. So in Acts 2, a lot of people build their theology just from Acts 2, that when, the, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you start speaking in tongues. But in Acts 8, when Peter and John goes, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? They hadn't been. Then they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Nobody speaks in tongues. 1 Corinthians 13 says not everybody's going to speak in tongues. So I was like, why in the world would a denomination put all their chips in the middle just on tongues? What about the fruit of the Spirit? What about actually being not spiritual, but spirit-filled? And so today, I... I wish I had more time to go down all these trails. But today, I want you to develop a great relationship with the Holy Spirit, which brings me to uh, um, uh, one of the things, I think the assignments that the enemy tries to do on the Holy Spirit. Uh, Some people in the room, you picture God, uh, the Father, as the angry one. You picture Jesus, the Son, as the nice one. And you picture the Holy Spirit as the weird one. Um, I'm telling you real quick, there's always an assignment on the way that you picture your God. Uh, the way that you have a, the, the relationship with God. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is beautiful. The Holy Spirit is a person, and you need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's not the weird one. Um, now, it says this in Acts 19. Uh, while Paulus was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit for just a second. I, I, want to, I want to demystify the Holy Spirit real quick. The, the Holy Spirit is not a mythical force. The Holy Spirit is a person. So even when you talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have to read it through a relational lens, not a mythical lens. And so he goes, did you receive the Holy Spirit? He's asking this, do you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Because when Jesus left, he said he was sending us the Holy Spirit to be our helper and to be a relational God with us. And they literally say this. They answered, no, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And so he prays for them and they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. The word baptism just means to be fully immersed. It means to have a complete relationship with the Holy Spirit, to be fully immersed in the relationship with God. I'm not, trying to, um, de- uh, I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm actually trying to have you see it through a relational lens. There's a baptism in the church, literally uh, in Corinthians. It literally means that you're fully immersed in the church. There is water baptism, literally representing that you are fully immersed in the, in, the, in the blood of Jesus, that you have been covered. And that if you've ever seen, you know, in the book of Exodus, there's a great picture of it, that when people are going through the Red Sea and it's split, what baptism is showing you is that when you go in the water, you are leaving your enemies behind and everything in your past behind, and the water swallows up your enemy, and you walk out free again. Come on now. That's what water baptism is trying to show you, and that's why we, we do it, because we see that what's happening in the spiritual that way also. So he asked him this. So basically what Paul's saying is there is more for you. There's more. There's more help. There's more relationship. There's more power. There's, there's all of this, and his name is the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do is uh, I want to uh, show you why the Holy Spirit is so important. So we showed who the Holy Spirit is, just a person, uh, not some mythical force, uh, not a Tesla charging station where you just get plugged in and get powerful and then you leave. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit's a person you live daily with every minute and every hour of your life with. Um, so why is the Holy Spirit so important? Uh, John 16, 8 says this. Here's why he's so important. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. You know, it's an interesting um, uh, word, conviction, uh, it literally just means to bring to light. He's going to illuminate things. He's going to show you things that you couldn't see because when things are in the dark, you cannot see them clearly. But when he illuminates it, you see it clearly for the first time and it changes your life. And so he says, I'm going to illuminate the, the, what, what sin really does to your life. I'm going to illuminate the, the thief that sin is. I'm going to illuminate the relationship you have with God. And I'm going to illuminate the judgment on this world that the enemy's lost his power. And so um, I want to show you... Uh, 
somebody who has described their baptism in the Holy Spirit experience. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll communicate a little bit of mine. When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I did, the, the, the day that I know for a fact, I literally encountered God, was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I did not speak in tongues that day. But that day, I felt uh, an encounter with God that I could not describe besides I felt like warm, honey, uh, the power of God was being poured over my life, that I was being freed of things I never be freed of. I, started, I saw my sin in a way I never thought I would see it, and I wept over it. I wept so much over my sin. I, I cried, I literally, I walked into my room, I wept for hours. I started calling people and repenting of my sin because I didn't know what to do about it. I just saw, I just saw all, I just saw, I just saw how, gro- how gross sin was for the first time in my life and how much it was stealing. I remember calling friends and be like, I'm so sorry, I repent. And they're like, what's happening? Like, like, I realized, you know what, if you're, get the phone out of the room, you're getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I didn't know what to do. Then I called my girlfriend. I was like, I'm going to be a great man. I'm going to lead better. I'm going to serve better. She's like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I don't know. I'm just, I, I just feel like God's just, you know, she's like, I didn't know, I didn't have the verbiage for it. I just knew God was doing something in my heart. Uh, that he was literally fully immersing me in his spirit. And so uh, I want to read you the story of Charles Finney. Charles Finney was, uh, of course, used in the late 1800s uh, for one of the great awakenings. He was a Presbyterian pastor. And here was his story of him being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Probably my favorite conversion account is Charles Finney, a lawyer with little knowledge of the Christian faith. Finney decided he needed to read the Bible since so much of the law was based on it. The more he read, the more convicted he was over his sinfulness. One day he determined to get right with God. So he went into the woods to pray. Yet every time <coughs> he started to pray, sorry, uh, he, thought, uh, he thought he heard someone in the woods and he would stop. Uh, he would stop afraid that he might be seen praying. Finally, he realized uh, the great pride in his heart that it should bother him if someone saw him praying. It broke him down before the Lord. But that was only the beginning of his conversion story. He went back to his house where God met him anew. Here's what he says. As I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost without any ex- expectation of it, without ever having the thought in my mind that there was any such thing for me. He never even thought he had any such thing for him. Come on now, God has something for you. Without any recollection that I had ever heard the thing mentioned by any person in the world, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through me and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves, waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God, I can recollect distinctly, that it seemed to fan me like immense wings. No words can express the wonderful love that was shed uh, abroad my heart. <coughs> Sorry. I wept aloud with joy and love, and I do not know, uh, do not know, but I should say, I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushings of my heart. These waves came over me, and over me, and over me, and over me, and over me for hours. I want to read you Acts 2, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I want to show you the contrast of people who received and people who mocked. Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound uh, like a blowing of a violent wind came from the heaven and filled the whole house where they uh, were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire and separated and came rest on each other. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Others mocking, uh, Acts 2 says, but others mocking them saying they are full of new wine. I just want you to hear this real quick. Every time there's an outpouring of God's Spirit, there are two types of people. Those who experience him and those who mock him. The people who mock him never get to experience him. I want to experience my God. I want to experience God. I want to experience my God. I'm here to tell you, if you are an academic person and you're trying to put God in a box, you're missing out. The Bible says there is a mystery to God. 
And for us to say that we know exactly how God's going to operate. Lydia said that the Holy Spirit's going to operate like wind. That we do not know where it's coming from or how it's going to go. Like we have to surrender to the Holy Spirit doing what it wants to do. uh, That he wants to do, excuse me. And so can I encourage you real quick. That there is a God bigger than your brain. Bigger than your academics. Bigger than you understand. He wants to encounter you. He wants to show you. And which leads me to one of my favorite parts of the teaching is what is the Holy Spirit's main job? Well, it says right there that he is there to illuminate Jesus, to point to the conviction of sin, to righteousness, to relationship. G.I. Packer said it this way. G.I. Packer, who was an Anglican minister, puts it uh, this beautifully. One day he was preaching a sermon on the Holy Spirit, and he was looking for a good illustration on the way to preach. He saw a floodlight. It was kind of dark at night. He saw a floodlight lighting up an old building, which in the daytime didn't look very good, but at night looked beautiful. He suddenly realized he couldn't even tell where the floodlight was. He essentially says, I couldn't even tell because the job of the floodlight is not to call attention to itself. The job of the floodlight is to throw into a relief the beauty and the magnificence of the thing it's flooding. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is not to say, look at me, get my power, get my joy, get my anointing. The Holy Spirit's job is to say, look at Jesus. Look at the beauty of what he has done. Look at him standing up there. Look at his advocacy for you. So we have conviction of sin, conviction of righteousness, conviction of judgment. I'm going to put a normal translative term on that so you understand what that means. The first one, conviction of sin, something like this. He's going to point to the payment of sin. He's going to point to the payment of sin. Charles Spurgeon was asked this. Uh, why his sermons were so powerful. Charles, why were your sermons so powerful? He'd say this, I would take my text and I would beeline to the cross. I would take my text and beeline to the cross. Not every sermon must focus on the crucifixion, but every sermon must point to his atoning blood. Uh, moralistic deism is so popular these days. Right. Moralistic, just cultural, like this means good and this saves you. If I'm good and I do good, then I am saved. But a Christ without his cross is no Christ at all. Uh, let me put it this way. Um, uh, Richard Neighbor, uh, a theologian, uh, uh, wrote this in uh, 1937. A God without wrath brought men without sin into a kingdom without judgment through the assistance of a Christ without a cross and has left us with a gospel without power. Come on, let me read this to you. Without the cross, there is no Christ. Without the cross, there is no church. Without the cross, there is no hope. Without the shedding of the blood, there is no omission of sins. Blessed are those who mourn. Come on now. I want you to see this real quick. When Jesus uh, died on the cross, what the Holy Spirit is doing is he is showing you the price of the payment of your sin and my sin. And so when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit starts to open your eyes, one of the first things you'll see is actually Jesus on the cross dying for you. And when you see Jesus dying for you, I'm telling you, your freedom changes. The Bible says, let your freedom not allow you to do anything you want in the flesh, but allow your freedom to actually sow into the things of the spirit. And so some of you, if you're wondering why you've been struggling with sin so much, it's because you haven't seen the payment for your sin. Come on, can I tell you real quick, the Holy Spirit wants to illuminate Christ on a cross every day in your life. If you're struggling with sin, look at Christ on the cross. I'm telling you, when you see Christ on the cross, it's harder to just go choose and do whatever you want to do. When you see Christ on a cross, it's harder to not have hope in your life that you can overcome things. Because if he could overcome the cross, you can overcome a sin. And so the first thing that the Holy Spirit does is he illuminates Christ on the cross. And Christ on the cross is the payment for our sin. It is the payment that you cannot pay and I cannot pay. It's enduring something you cannot endure. He stayed on the cross, you couldn't stay on the cross. He, he, He still loved on the cross, you couldn't love on the cross. He still had, he, he still had kindness on the cross. You didn't have kindness on the cross. People cut you off, you get angry. You're going to be happy on a cross? You can't even be happy in your car sometimes. But our Christ stayed on the cross, and because we see that, it changes the way we live our life. The Holy Spirit is trying to take the floodlight of his spirit and say, look at the cross, look at the cross, look at the cross, look at the cross. Religion after religion, guess what it attacks? The cross. Religion after religion, Jesus didn't die on a cross. 
Jesus didn't start studying him. They, 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 he ascended, but he didn't die on a cross. Christianity is very clear. He died on a cross for you and for I. So the first thing that the Holy Spirit does is he illuminates Christ on a cross. Second thing is it points to the person who knew no sin. It points to the conviction of righteousness. Righteousness is not a religious term. It's a relational term. It means you have right standing. When Rachel and I have a great marriage, it means we have a righteous marriage because we're both in right. You know when everything's just right in marriage or in friendships? Like everything just feels good today. You know, like we're just clicking on all cylinders. Like you ever have those moments in your marriage? Raise your hand. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, let's fight for those moments. You know what I'm saying? In friendships, even at work. You know, like in work when there's like all seven people are getting along, but then one person messes it up and it feels all awkward in the office all the time. That's not righteousness because there's something that's just not right at that moment in relationship. And and so what Jesus does is he makes everything perfect between you and the Savior. Not okay, not good, but he makes it perfect. How does he do it? He says this in 2 Corinthians 5. God made him who had, no, uh, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What, is that, what does that look like? Let me show you. Holy Spirit wants to illuminate us today. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, there was this man named David, second most covered person in all the Bible. Uh, king David is, you know, the most famous king ever to live. Uh, David and Goliath, we know all these stories. But Psalm 51 is one of the most powerful psalms of all the Bible. And it's basically uh, his lowest moment because he's messed up so bad, sinned so bad. Uh, had somebody killed, adultery, you name it. If there was a sin, he basically did it in that moment. And so at Psalm 51, he says, God, please do not take your spirit from me. Because he knows, he knows that uh, what he had done, biblically, the spirit of God should be removed from him. He, 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 know, he knows the law. And so he's pleading, please don't take your spirit from me. Guess what happens? God does not take his spirit from the sinful David. And then you fast forward centuries later, and there is a greater David, his name is Jesus, and Jesus is a sinless David. He is a sinless Savior, and guess what happens to him? God's spirit gets taken from him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why, why does this happen? Though he who knew no sin, the sinless David, became sin, so when you and I sin, his spirit would not depart from us. Do you see, do you see the, 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 um, the theological term? Do you see the propitiation? Do you see the transfer in payment? Do you see the transfer in saying, it's basically propitiation this, the wrath and the exile that you deserve to be kicked out of, the, uh, 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 out of heaven is literally Jesus basically bumps you out of the way and says, I'll take all the wrath, I'll make all the payment, and I'm going to actually bump them into heaven and they, so they can have a relationship. And not only have a relationship, God doesn't love you when you're like Christ. He loves you because you're in Christ. Come on. You're not, well, I, I, used to always, I, I, always, I used to always think like, oh, we're not saved by good works. No, we are saved by good works, but not ours, by his. And so, so when you come to pray to God, I see, you need to know this. When God sees you, he sees you like you're perfect like Jesus. And so imagine, what, imagine like when I clean the kitchen, when I do all kinds of things in the house and Rachel comes home, I got swagger to talk to my girl. Like I, I just feel good about myself as a husband. You know, like, like I'm not like, you know, like I, I know we're great. Like we're just, oh babe, what's up? Oh my gosh. And like the house is clean. I'm, like I've been just killing it as a husband. There's just something nice about like, like walking into the room when you know you're killing it as a husband. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, imagine now knowing you can walk into the throne room because your savior absolutely crushed it as a man and fully God on, the, on this planet. Like, it just changes the way you walk into a room. It changes the way you'll pray. It changes the way that you talk to your God. It changes the way that you believe with your God. It changes the way that you walk with your God. When you start to have that illuminated, that kind of transfer in righteousness and relationship, it will change the way you pray and live. And the Holy Spirit's the one that's trying to show that to you. Amen? So it points to the uh, payment of sin, points to the person that became sin uh, for us. And last one, it points to the powerless enemy and how sin has lost its power. Um. 
stronghold, I, I mentioned it. All stronghold means is that uh, you've bought into a lie so much that you actually believe that that lie is now truth in your life. And so what the last one is, is it, it, it convicts you, illuminates that what the enemy you think has a control in your life anymore, he has lost all authority. And so now, the, 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 if I put it this way, the string has been cut. All you got to do is now pull it out. The, 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 his grip is off of you. The, maybe there's still fingerprints and there's wounds, but his hands are now off of you because he's lost his power. Now it's just for you now to get healed from it and allow the Lord to heal what is gone because the power of sin has lost its sting on your life. Some of you still believe in a stronghold that the enemy has a grip on your life. No, no, that is a lie from the enemy. You can be free completely because that judgment has been, uh, has been said that uh, death has lost its sting. Amen? So that's what the Holy Spirit wants to show you today. That's why he's so important. That's why he's so important. Come on. So, uh, so let, let, let's look at uh, the last part. How do, you, um, how do we live daily with the Holy Spirit? How do we live daily with the Holy Spirit? Um, there's three things I want to show you. Be, full, be filled, be led, be satisfied. Be filled, be led, be satisfied. So be filled. Ephesians 5. So be careful how you live. Do not live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity these evil days. Man, I... I used to read that when I was like 17, make the most of these evil opportunities in these evil days. Like, are these days really that evil? Oh, they're evil. Can we agree right now we live in an evil days? Come on, we're living in dark times right now. It's always been dark. We've had dark times in our history, but, but I feel like the more and more you fall in love with the Lord, the more and more your eyes, you start to see the light of God, but you start to become more aware of, the, of what darkness is trying to do. We live in evil days. It's not a time for us to relax. It's not a time for us to chill. It's not a time for us to think everything's good. No, like if you live in the Bay Area, you're very, it's very obvious. We live in evil days. Uh, the, the enemy is trying to uh, have assignment on young kids and, and have assignment on people. It says like this, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do in this moment. Don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Is he talking uh, to non-Christians or Christians? Ephesians 5 is talking to Christians. So he's saying be filled. Baptism is a one-time experience. Being filled is a daily. That Greek word is progressive. It's always keep being filled by the Holy Spirit. What happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit? You start singing psalms. You start singing hymns, spiritual songs. Have you ever seen somebody who got drunk at a party and starts just karaoke in? You're like, that person would never sing. And now they're the karaoke like MVP at this party. You know what I'm saying? Because the reality is, is that it says don't let alcohol affect you. It says, uh, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to affect you. Well, when you are drunk, it's called liquid courage. It's a suppressor. And you just start, like, doing things you never do before. And, like, that guy is definitely drunk. Well, when you get the Holy Spirit in your life, you start becoming a person who praises God, complimenting people, jealousy throws out. Like, it starts changing the way you talk. Come on now. So be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's three things that happen when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. First one is be filled with relationship. Relationship. Um, this is a big one. I think sometimes we, we treat the Holy Spirit more like a mythical force, like give me power today, Holy Spirit, instead of actually understanding that the Holy Spirit wants a relationship with you daily. The best picture I can give you is when Rachel and I got married, I lived in a one-bedroom apartment uh, in Burbank, and when she moved in, uh, everything changed. She brought all her girl stuff. She brought all her Rachel stuff. Rachel loves art. She loves uh, geodes. You know what geodes are. We got a lot of geodes. Uh, she loves like little sculptures. There was like this one sculpture. She loves books. Rachel's like, hey, keep going, keep going. I love books. She had books for days. She had this one sculpture that was like this like, this, like uh, sculpture that looked like a volleyball person. Uh, and I was like, it always freaked me out because like in nighttime, it just looked like, 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 looked like a demon. I was like, get that demon out of my house. Um, we got rid of that one. Okay, so anyways, um, so she had a lot of sculptures. Um, but when she moved in, like 
the one bedroom apartment, like I had to get rid of some stuff so she could put her stuff in it. And it like changed, like it didn't become like, I remember my first time my buddy Drew visited when we were married, he's like, well, like the house was cleaner and nicer. And Rachel's like, and he goes like, wow, Rachel's changed you for good. Like this is, this is a better Tyler. You know, like, like, like Rachel put a little sign like, welcome guards to the Bay Area. You know, like even like when like, I, I'm not doing that when Drew comes over, like, like get in here, you know, you want some chips or some chips or some pizza boxes behind the couch, hop on in, you know, like, like Rachel had like all nice. She like, she puts them on the stove, makes the house smell like Christmas, you know, um, like totally different vibes. Well, when you say yes to relationship with the Holy Spirit, here's what happened. The Holy Spirit moves in, he moves in and he changes everything. He doesn't change some things. He changes everything. And when you actually allow the Holy Spirit to move into your life, here's what happens. These are the two things that should, should, uh, I want to illuminate for you. This is what relationship with the Holy Spirit means. You are now aware of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit affects your life. And just the little things and the big things. I would come home uh, uh, when I was single. I would eat whatever I want to eat and literally just toss the food behind my couch. Literally, it was terrible. I was so gross. Anyways, um, Rachel can attest to this. Uh, like, behind my couch in my one bedroom, there's, like, boxes up to here, empty cans. I just toss it. Um, I just always dreamt of being able to do it, so I did it for a season. And it, I'm not gonna lie, it was actually awesome. Okay, anyways, anyways, anyways. <laughs> There's something just so freeing of like, you're done eating, you're like, oh, what do I, what do, I do with this? Huh? Who cares, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just felt so good. Um, anyways, so, uh, but then it gets to a sad moment, okay? To where people think you're like, are you okay? Um, so, uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, here's what happens. Holy Spirit moves in, you are not aware Holy Spirit's literally in, the, in my life right now. He's not leaving. He's here. Now, when you're aware of that, it should affect simple things like this. Just like in marriage. Rachel, what do you want to have for dinner tonight? What time should we eat tonight? What do, you, what do your plans look like tonight? Before, I could just eat whenever I want to eat. But now I'm actually connected to somebody, and now it's going to impact my life on every level. Holy Spirit, what should we do today? Holy Spirit, what do, we, what do you have for me today? What are your plans today? Who should I encourage today? And when you're filled with that relationship, you start living a different life because you're no longer living for yourself, but you're actually following the Holy Spirit that leads to life and fulfillment and purpose. Amen? Be filled with relationship. Come on. Uh, Second one is uh, be filled with clarity. I kind of touched on this, so I'll make this a little more uh, condensed. Uh, Be filled with clarity. The, the reality is, is in Acts 2, they said, are these people drunk in Acts 2? Because they were, they were just declaring Jesus. They were, it was afternoon. They were bold. All, like, they were doing all these things that drunk people would do. They had no fear. They, were, they had complete courage. They were boasting about their God. And people were like, man, the only way you can be that brave in Rome is drunk. Because you are risking everything right now. But the Bible says that when we have the Spirit of God, it gives us courage, not timidity. It gives us power and a sound mind. Again, let me show you real quick. Alcohol is a suppressor. It turns down your inhibitions. The Holy Spirit is the opposite of suppressor. It brings full clarity to why you're alive and what you're supposed to talk about. And so it will bring clarity to why you're alive, why you have breath in your lungs. When you start to actually get filled with the Holy Spirit, what happens is you have great clarity on why today is the day it is. How you're supposed to love, how you're supposed to navigate. You're not asking questions. There's a story where Elijah, uh, they're surrounded by the enemy and uh, the servant's freaking out. Like he's like, ah! And all of us have had those moments where we freak out. And Elijah could easily said, hey, man, yeah, we're surrounded. Uh, we may, um, oh, this is where, sorry. Um, I didn't want to trip on this. It's like in the back of my, sorry. Uh, he's like, uh, Elijah has, has them, uh, you know, surrounded. Elijah goes, hey, you know what? Yeah, this is crazy. I'm pretty stressed out too. Let's drink and just like not be stressed out anymore. And like just hope that like it, it chills us out. And then we'll go fight the battle tomorrow. That's not what Elijah does. Elijah says, 
Spirit, would you open his eyes? Let him see what I see. And the servant, for the first time, sees full clarity on the resources of the kingdom, the power of the kingdom, and shows that we are not outnumbered. Actually, the enemy's outnumbered uh, by the kingdom, and we're going to win this victory. And it gives him clarity and peace. It gives him courage. I'm telling you, when you feel you're surrounded in the wrong things, start praying, Holy Spirit, would you give me clarity to see what you see? Would you give me clarity to know that this is not the, the, the end of my life? This is the valley that you're getting me through. I'm telling you, the more and more you hang out with the Holy Spirit, he's going to fill you with clarity for your life. And the third one is be filled with power, be filled with power. Um, now, I'll tell you why these gloves are up here. So um, this glove is designed to do work. Uh, if I were going to Homes of Hope to build a house, these are the kind of gloves I'd bring. They'd be designed to build a house. So they're designed to do work. This is what it's designed to do. So you're designed to do it, glove. Build a house. Do work. Nothing. What if I encouraged it? You're the best glove in the whole wide world. Uh, look at yourself. You're so amazing. Uh, all them haters be hating, but you're amazing. You're so amazing. I l- click like button on you. 100, 100, 100. Yeah, yeah. Now go build that house. Nothing. Nothing. What if, what if the glove learned all the Greek on uh, the Holy Spirit? So the, the, the Hebrew word is, is ruah. It means wind. And then the New Testament word is pneuma. It also means wind. Okay, now how about, how about Pentecost? Pentecost simply means this. Penta is five. Cost means time ten. It means 50. It's 50 days after the Passover. Right, come on. No, nothing. Okay. Oh, how about, how about, how about uh, what's charisma mean? Charis it just means grace, and ma means gift. So just so in case, you're all charismatics, because charisma just means a grace gift. Um, so, so you're just a charismatic. You, you're a charismatic. Come on, do your thing. Nothing. What if the glove has some fellowship? Here's some fellowship. All right. <laughs> Hang out with a lot more gloves. Do your thing. Do your thing. <laughs> nothing happening. Nothing happening. Okay. 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 What the glove needs is a living power to fill it. And when the glove has a living power to fill it, it can fulfill the purpose of why it's designed. And I'm telling you, you can learn all the Greek. You can have all the friends. You can do all the things and learn all the Greek. But if you do not have the living power of the Holy Spirit filling you, you will not accomplish the purpose of why you're designed. You need living power to fill you. Our church, uh, last year, we literally decided to double down on one thing, prayer in his presence. That's it. We didn't get in the room like, all right, we need, we need strategy. We need to do an evangelistic series and get people in here. Uh, we did the opposite. I preached for an hour. That's not evangelistic, okay? Uh, we didn't like, we need to preach 25 minutes. Make it like the movie, like the show. This used to be people who say this in church all the time. Uh, have your sermons be like 24 of the show, like 25 minutes and have them leaving wanting more. Like, oh no, you, you ended too soon. You know, and so like, so like Seeker Center Church started like doing like shorter services. So people were like, oh, I feel like it just started because it did just start. Um, and then... <laughs> And then they would leave. And they're like, oh, that was like, wow, it just went by so fast because it was fast. You know, I mean, all those kind of things. And so, so we didn't go like, oh, what's our strategy? How are we going to reach more people? Uh, let's do more strategy. Okay, let's do uh, uh, more bells and whistles. All we decided to do this last year was pray that he would fill this house. We've been asking, would you fill this house? Would you fill this house? Can I just report? I know numbers in church can sometimes be funny. You need to know some numbers are not numbers. Every person is a number. Uh, every person matters. So I'm not sharing these numbers just to share numbers. I want to share when you start actually having God fill a place, the church starts doing what the church is supposed to do. It takes back ground. We have doubled in attendance in one year. Doubled. Our church has doubled, okay? Uh, uh, we've had the most salvations we've ever seen in this last year. Come on now. Uh, small groups. Last year, this fall, we had 573 people in small groups. This fall, we had 941 people in small groups. We had 87 small group leaders last year uh, during the fall. We had 120 small group leaders this year. Come on now. Uh, we've had the most baptisms this last year we've ever seen. And the only thing we did different was say, would you fill the house? 
Come on, I want to encourage you real quick. You want to see things. It's, you know, one of my mentors always says this. The only person that can hit the fast forward button is the Holy Spirit. You're trying to fast forward things. The Holy Spirit, he can fast forward stuff. And what a fast forward feels like is when you throw the sails up and you say, I'm done paddling and I'm gonna let you breathe on the sails. And then he starts moving in places you never thought you could move. In the bear, I have friends asking, how is this happening? Simply put, I believe God is breathing on this house. I believe he's breathing on your life. Some of you, you said, man, this is the year that I fell in love with God. One of the things that has marked our church is story after story, people saying, I came and I just started weeping during church. You had, you had a moment like Charles Finney. You had a moment where you're like, what is happening? It's the Holy Spirit starting to immerse you, calling you back to awaken you, waves of love, waves of love over and over again over your life, and you're coming to life. That's why you love Jesus so much. It's not because a sermon's good or you like a song. It's because the Holy Spirit is bringing you back to life. Amen? So you got to be filled, be led, be led. Galatians 5, so I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. The spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you, uh, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I had before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Stop. It's a lot of stuff. Now, when it says flesh, it's not the theology that your body's wrong. The, The Greek word flesh is, it's when you decide to live through a coping mechanism of your, of, of, of your, of your weakness. You, allowed, you, you, you choose indulgences to cope while your life is so hard. So the first three, if you look at it real quick, it says, it says, um, it says uh, sexual immorality, impurity, and lustful pleasures. Those first three are indulgences. I'm going to indulge in things to cope with why, why life is so hard. And it will, it will help me unplug from the hardness of this life. And so my indulgences will have me ignore something for a second. If not that, then you'll go to control and religion. Idolatry and sorcery are, 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 are a picture of you trying to have something you can control. Because an idol is, if I do this, I I get this. You're trying to control through manipulation. Sorcery would be even a picture of just manipulation. So you'd go to religion instead. And the last one leads to eight out of 15 are just how you treat people. So, so if you live by the flesh, you'll be an indulgent person that's trying to control, manipulate the religion. And that spills into you being a quarreling person, a jealous person, an outburst of anger person, a person. So like it, it spills into that. You ever see those medical commercials when they're like advertising like a, like a new drug? They're like, they're like walking through the park. They're like, ah, like if you struggle with this symptom, uh, try this pill. And so they're like walking around and then you're like, oh, that's awesome. It does that. And then at the very end, they're like, and then like they're trying to like have you like look at the people. They're like, also this thing can have your arm fall off. Um, uh, your, uh, your eyeballs fall out and uh, you'll stop uh, being able to talk uh, twice a week. Uh, try this pill and ask your doctor today. You know, you're like, what just happened? You know, like, like they just, they just try to like, slip it in there. You know, and you're like, ah, like, like, oh, no side effects. You know, like, like the Holy Spirit is trying to illuminate that if you allow the flesh to medicate your soul, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's saying, here's what this flesh will do. It will try to have you indulge in things you shouldn't indulge in. It will try to have you control things you can't control. It will try to have you worship things that will not give you anything back. And because of it, you're going to treat people terribly. But if you have a great relationship with the Holy Spirit, you'll have a great relationship with people. Come on now. I I want you to see this real quick. Um, Anybody love the uh, Lord of the Rings movies? Lord of the Rings movies? Okay, Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, So uh, if not, 
you have to listen to the illustration anyways. Ha. Okay, so um, uh, it's one of our favorite Christmas traditions. There is this uh, character in it called Golem. And the big story of Lord of the Rings is basically that there's this one ring to rule them all. Uh, the ring, J.R. Tolkien, who's a believer, he basically was trying to write an allegory to show you what sin would do to, uh, uh, to mankind. And so the ring represented our flesh, sin beckoning us. So these two forces are fighting in, in, in the movie, if you will. And the ring keeps on calling to Golem. If you know anything about Golem, Golem was, uh, his name was um, Schmeagel. He was a hobbit uh, in the very beginning, normal guy. And he found, like basically, a coping mechanism sin, the flesh, and started worshiping that sin. And when you start to worship a sin, he became sin. He became the worst version of himself. So over a lifetime, you see Golem literally physically lose his mind. He starts to literally have a broken mind, a broken body, and a broken nature because he allowed the flesh to control him, the ring to control him. And so Jared Tolkien was trying to show people, when you allow sin to lead you, you become the worst version of yourself. But if you would allow the spirit to lead you, you become the best version of yourself. The, the, the theological term is glorification. Yeah. You get justified, sanctified, and then glorified. You become the best version of yourself. And I'm here to tell you real quick, stop using your flesh to cope with the hardness of this world and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. So go and say, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Uh, I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up. Uh, as they're coming up, I wanna show you a video. Uh, this is a picture of a sheep uh, by Spanish uh, shepherds. They're trying to save them real quick. Check this out. So 200 times sheep are referenced in the Bible. We are referenced as sheep. Something I found out about a couple of animals that I didn't know until this study. Uh, one I didn't know because uh, of a bad experience. Um, did you know goldfish don't know when to say enough? They don't have a stop button. So I'm watching a uh, house sitting for my friends. Uh, I was down in LA Bible college. Didn't have money to go home for Thanksgiving. So I just stayed and house sat for them. They had a goldfish. My only job was to feed the goldfish. Well, it's Thanksgiving morning, and I thought I was being sweet, and I was like, it's Thanksgiving. So I just feed the goldfish, like, a ton of the food. I'm like, happy Thanksgiving, goldfish! You know, it's just raining fish food, you know? And so then we go out, and we go get something. I come back, and the fish is just belly up. And I was like, what happened? And my friend's like, what did you do? I was like, I gave it a Thanksgiving meal. And like, Ty, you, you can only give it a pinch. I'm like, what do you mean only pinch? Goldfish can eat themselves to death. And I was like, I killed Billy? Billy is the name of the goldfish. Um, and like, we're like, oh my gosh, we can't tell our friends. So we would go to a pet shop, buy a new fish, put it in there. It's all good. Anyways, um, uh, don't ever let me watch your fish. Okay, it is what it is. Um, but I had no idea that you could overfeed a goldfish. They would eat themselves to death. Turtles are the same thing. Did you know sheep don't have a backup button? They don't, like, why would a sheep get stuck in that hole? That sheep was walking and saw the hole. It was kind of curious. Started going down the hole. And common sense, the sheep would say, well, I should probably back up. I should probably back up. Sheep don't know how to back up. They know how to lead themselves. So that sheep literally burrowed himself in there thinking that his best route for his life was to go through the hole all the way to China on the other side. Okay? I'm going, I'm going to go through the earth and go to a different country. And what happens with a lot of you is you are leading yourself. And can I answer a question you've been asking? Why does my life look like this? Because you've been burrowing yourself in the world. Thinking if I just keep on with my own strength, digging through over and over again, I'll finally eventually get to the destination I want to get to. And the Holy Spirit is saying, do not be foolish. In these evil days, I want to lead you to life. I want to tell you to back up when to back up. I want to tell you when to go when to go. Would you be still and know that he is God? Some of you are going to say, okay, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to throw the sails up 
I don't believe you're gonna breathe on the sail. So you're gonna get in the boat of your life and nothing's gonna happen. Can I just encourage you, be still and know that he's God and wait on him and wait and pray and wait and pray and then watch what he does in your life. I'm not telling you this is a button that's gonna change your life overnight. No, he is going to produce things in your life that you never could produce on your own. It's an amazing thing you keep on seeing. He, talk, he talks about the law and the spirit over and over again in Galatians and Ephesians. Why does he do that? Well, in um, the first Pentecost, uh, Pentecost just means 50. So 50 days after the original Passover in Exodus, Moses goes up to the mountain and he goes up there and um, he gets the 10 commandments. There is a loud sound, there is fire, and God writes on the tablets with his finger, the law of the word. And on that day, 3,000 men died because they had committed a sin of idolatry. And when Moses came down, they must die because the law, boom, he says, boom, 3,000 died. Fast forward Acts 2, Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover, Jesus dying. What happens? There is a loud sound, there is fire. God writes his law on men's hearts and 3,000 people are saved. The spirit is life, new beginnings. There's one reason why I feel like a lot of people who are God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Bible, why they're so pointing at people and so controlling is because they think their job is to point at people's sin and to point sin out. And so they think they're doing a job pointing to those things. No, no, no. People who know the Holy Spirit know all my job is to do is to point to my God, point my life to God. And when I live that way, the Holy Spirit will convict. When I point that way, life is gonna come my way. This week, I'm gonna throw my sails up and see where the Holy Spirit wants me to go. The wind is the Holy Spirit. He says, it comes like the wind. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it wants to go. You just trust the Holy Spirit knows better than you. Will you bow your heads? God, we thank you. We thank you that you're the one who saves. We thank you that you're the one who breathes. We thank you that you're the one that wants to set us free of things that we can't be free of. So beautiful Holy Spirit, we ask simply that you would open eyes at this moment to somebody who doesn't know you, somebody who doesn't have a relation with you, and this would be their moment of salvation. If you're in the house today and you said yes to Jesus, yes to heaven, no to hell, yes to blessing, no to curse, you want to say yes to Jesus, on the count of three, raise your hand and catch my eye. One, two, three. Raise it up. You want to say yes to Jesus, yes to salvation. I see you. That's a great decision. I see you. That's a great decision. Come on now. That's a great decision. Oh, I see you. God bless you. You can go ahead and stand up. A lot of you are saying to you, like, okay, I want the Holy Spirit. Like, how do I do this? This is not a mechanical process. It says very simply in Luke 11, if a child asks his father for a gift, would his father give him a stone? And Jesus goes on, and how kind is your father that if you asked him for the Holy Spirit, would he not give you the Holy Spirit? All you gotta do this week is ask for the Holy Spirit. That's all, Luke 11, read it this week. Ask for the Holy Spirit and see what God gives you. Miss Church, I love you. Here's my teasing. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.